hello and welcome, uh, all the wonderful listeners of the Heming and Hawing podcast, all five of you out there. Uh, this is episode six. No, episode number seven, five. five. God damn it. it, man! Well, I gotta you know, start feeding you. They that say time for you're setting me up to look like an idiot, Sean. <laughs> I open these Sean's looking like a goddamn moron, but <laughs> these episodes looking like a moron. But uh, episode five, Heming and Hawing. Uh, by the time these things come out, uh, you can start looking for us uh, and all kinds of social media. We'll be, I guess, on all of it. But I don't know. Will we? I'm not. We're not going to have an Instagram. Let's somewhere. be honest with ourselves. Yeah. yeah you'll you'll sure. find us on the sphere somewhere. It'll be on Twitter. We'll be on, I don't know, a lot of Facebook. We'll just be on Twitter. That's where people can interact with us. We'll have an email where we can take any kind of questions or interactions from the fans and we'll go from there. You know, it's nothing. It's not going to be anything crazy, but... Again, you're just looking at two two idiots trying to run a podcast together, so it's not going to be anything uh, special or exciting, but hopefully we get somebody who wants to interact with us at some point in time. Yeah, hopefully there's a few gems hidden in the rough. Yeah, amen. Any any diamond out there in the rough who listens to this podcast and realizes the greatness that it uh, captures on a weekly basis, <laughs> you're more than welcome to shoot us an email. So we'll get that information out to you. Uh, on our next episode, but we will have it up and running and ready for whatever interactions this world brings to us. It was silly talking to one of my, my well, my cousin's boyfriend two weekends ago, and because we were looking at my uncle's bourbon bottles, because you know and he's he's a he's uh, he's a connoisseur. Mm. So I mean, the man probably has somewhere between twenty and thirty bottles. Wow! And Can like, you taste the difference. Well, you can you can absolutely taste the difference. Can you can you determine which one's the nicest? That's so personal, it's crazy. Uh-huh. But he's got a bottle that I don't know goes for something in like the eight to twelve hundred dollar range generally. And her boyfriend asked, like, like if I would ever spend twelve hundred dollars on a bottle of bourbon. It's like I mean, for sure. Like if I had if I had money where twelve hundred dollars was generally insignificant, of course I'd spend twelve hundred dollars on a bottle of bourbon. Why wouldn't I? Like if that's what this bottle of bourbon costs and that's what I want, then why wouldn't I do it? Sure. I mean that's a lot of people do that. And like I don't need to get into the new show of like what what think of what the money could do. Fuck that. If this is know. what I want and my money, I'll do it. Yeah, I mean there's the type of person who is like Okay, well, yeah, think of what that money could do. Why would I spend $1,200 now that I'm rich when when I was 20? I would never buy something more than, you know, $30 worth, but well, but I don't that's know. That's a there's... different, like, limiting factor. Like, when you were 20, was it be- you wouldn't buy it because it was $1,200 or because it wasn't even reasonably within your budget? Sure. I Yeah, I feel like you can easily go either way and make an argument as to why kind of ridiculous that you're spending that much money on the thing but also i guess i mean that's just how it goes if you got the money you get to spend it however you like and like i don't know even if it is like uh like let's say i spent i spent twelve hundred dollars on a bottle of bourbon maybe i gave three million to charity last year you know what i mean so who fucking cares well yeah that's the other thing is a lot of time shit like that people are paying attention to things that are like tiny tiny portion of the amount of money you have it's like yeah, okay exactly like 
think about what you could be doing with the other ten million instead of this hundred twenty dollars and be mad at you for that instead of yeah buying an expensive bottle of alcohol. And it's I don't know it's always kind of a silly thing like that I get caught up in or that you see a lot is like people like charity shaming rich people for not giving enough money like looking at a lot of the like something like the barstool fund that was going on or might still be going on like people are shaming millionaires for giving like a hundred grand mm-hmm. like okay his net worth his net worth is 500 million and he only gained 500,000 like yeah, yeah what a piece of shit like come on like how can you i don't know that just seems crazy to me to to net worth charity shame but. No, it is. It's just silly by the people. I mean, I kind of agree with what they're saying. Like, maybe there should be a little bit more of a culture around giving and thinking about what you can do positively with your money. But for it to be just an average show trying to shame someone over that just seems wildly immature and childish and probably just like jealousy a little bit. Like, if someone told me. After I gave them a half, if I gave a half a million dollars to charity and someone told me I didn't give enough, go fuck yourself. Like, yeah. What is enough? It's not like you didn't give enough, but it's also reasonable to notice, like, okay, well, you're not like a saint either. It's not like this is going to make that fine, big of a deal. But to you. how often do those people decry themselves as saints? As to no, how no, often are they, they shot down as pieces of shit? Right. For sure. I know it's almost like making that donation, like. The incentives are where you just yeah, basically the shouldn't make it. Yeah, the incentives are so negative. Yeah, yeah like the, making it only gives you an opportunity to be in the public eye and get shit on, whereas yeah, if you like just you're don't make it, you're almost better off trying to avoid it. Yeah, <laughs> just do stuff behind the scenes or do nothing, which is like exactly the opposite of what we should be supporting. Which, I don't know, I mean, we could probably get into a really, really interesting conversation on charitable givings over time as like government spending towards something like that many people refer to as a welfare state increased you know like what specifically like like if you look at it'd be i'd be very interested in seeing a graph of like charitable givings to pro to like whatever like like social programs Mm -hmm. versus like government uh, funded social programs, like the funding towards them or the size of them, you know. So, I would be I would be very willing to bet that as your government programs increase and as people are taxed more, their charitable givings decrease. Oh right, probably. So that's what I'm saying. It'd be an interesting thing to see, like from like 1875 to now. Like where do where do the charitable givings versus government programs like eighteen seventy five when government programs are few and far between and eligibility is tough mm-hmm. and people are more like religious and you know yeah I feel like there's so many confounding variables though that like there's such culture shifts that it'd be impossible to see but it I guess it would be interesting to but see would how that it culture lines shift up. be somewhat related I don't think so you don't think so why not I mean it could be partially but I think it could be largely like just like a more globalized world or a more transparent world could have way more impact perhaps than just changing government policies but if you have 
let's say you and I both have $100 million. Why should we feel charitable towards the homeless if they're if the government has programs to help solve, like help treat homelessness as though it's a disease. I mean, well, you could probably look at the government program and go, wow, this is utter shit. Like, if I actually care about this, I need to come up with a business solution that actually solves this problem. But I agree that if it seems like someone else is doing something about it, you might be less likely to. I would think you're likely significantly less inclined to be invested like if you might not it might even cut you out from even looking into it you know what i mean well yeah it definitely changes how you could start a business for it because it changes the market when you've got a public player like that where yeah as a speculative business you might just yes completely stay away from the space or now it doesn't make sense for you to even try to help because you're just gonna lose money and have no way of actually knowing if you're gonna solve the problem but who knows? Yeah, who knows? But it's uh, it's at least interesting stuff to consider. I think the problem is you run into the if you want to leave it not up to the government, you run into the problem of less stability because you're relying on people to be charitable. And if you actually want like you know healthcare as a right, or if you want you know people not to be homeless consistently, I mean, it feels less stable. Heaven forbid we built a culture based on social responsibility and, um, I don't know, you could even call it like social like pressures to behave or like to operate within this society according to societal norms such as like charitable givings. Heaven forbid that we try to uh, allow people to have freedom with their money as opposed to insisting on giving it away to a for- to another entity who will, of course redistribute it as uh, appropriately as man can. <laughs> yeah. it's It definitely gets confounded because I don't know, it would be wonderful if we had a culture of people actually caring about large problems who have money, but But do you I don't think know. we did? No, I don't think we've ever had a culture I think we've had a lot of very mixed cultures within the wealthy elites where you do have some people who are very future looking, but you also have a lot of people who aren't taking it as seriously. Like, I think you rarely have people trying to solve problems like that or trying to plan for the future as seriously as they're trying to make a bunch of money in the present. And I don't think they look at it the same rigorously way. I mean, the problem is on the other side of the government is just completely incompetent. So you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place where the government planning on solving like the homeless or whatever issue you're coming up against is just so bad that, yeah, maybe if you did have a culture about caring about these problems, you could have a better response. But I don't really think we ever did have a collective group of people caring. And even if we did... I don't know. Is that even what we want? Like, is it, should we have more power to the oligarchy? Who knows? See, I, I completely disagree about having a culture of more people caring. I don't know if we had a culture of rich people caring, but we definitely had a culture of more people caring. Like, when, and maybe this is growing up in a small town too, because, I mean, in a lot of ways, it can still be like this. But 
when you were like in the 30s and 40s and 50s, well, maybe in early night, so let's say like 1900 to 1950, like you relied on your community and like your churches to help you out through tough times. Like we very much had a, a culture of helping our fellow community members. Very much so. But now, uh, with less people, I don't know, like church is a much less significant part of many people's lives. And there are government programs that take care of a lot of these things. So I think that we've, I would say that we've devolved significantly as a culture regarding uh, helping others or fellowship towards your uh, common man, with your common man. It'd be interesting to see some numbers on how universal that sentiment was between like urban areas and city areas. Like was, you know, was New York city in the 1910s really all that neighborly? I don't know, but I bet you still had very strong church communities. Probably. I think we never, we were never very globally a community. That's for sure. Like even about globally. Well, if you care about people, then that's where over ninety percent of them are. That's fair, but I mean, yeah, probably higher. But uh, at the end of the day, like my fellow, my neighbor, my friends, my Americans come first to me. You know, like no, I know. Yeah, I mean, that's just a psychological fact. That's exactly how everyone's going to behave. Yeah, so, I mean, so why, like, we'll worry about globally once we've got our uh, uh, our problems figured out. And, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit of an isolationist take. And I, of course, bitch about global things all the time, but. I mean, I when, when do you define the line of having your problems figured out? I'd say we mostly do have our problems figured out in the U.S. I, and I genuinely, ag- I generally agree with that. Uh, but if we're just talking about, like, having a culture just devoted to, uh helping your fellow man i would say we gotta uh take care of ourselves first before we really get into uh the weeds with every single other every single other person on earth yeah and a lot of times there's really like sadly not a lot of great ways to help other people in other countries like trying to go impose any sort of aid like a lot of times it just has to be organically on their end i mean you could definitely help people not die from like diseases and stuff Hey, macro loans. Mm-hmm. Micro yeah. loans, sorry. Let's destroy some economies. But micro micro loans are have been very have shown to have been shown to be very very positive. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. throwing money at problems and say, or like stepping in and saying, "No, let us fix this." That is the the destroyer of communities. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Know. Yeah, I don't know. It. I mean, where should we be taking our culture? Should we? Like, is caring about the people around you more? I mean, I don't even think that's really an option anymore. I mean, now we, I guess we'd extend it to caring about anyone on the internet who's <laughs> in our, comes across our path. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's just obviously far too expansive to be a reasonable approach. But I don't know, like maybe, I guess, how do people gather now? That'd be a good place to start. How do people gather? not on <laughs> and i guess yeah if you find a small community in your internet forum that isn't like a, a million people wide like wall street bets or whatever 
uh-huh. of course, like, like that's a reasonable situation. Like, I don't think it's crazy to say, like, hey, like, I've been friends with this person in Florida. Well, I guess Florida's a dumb example. I've been friends with this person in Maine for, like, many, many years. Like, but I've never actually met her in person. We're just kind of homies on the internet. And I know his wife has, like, cancer or something. So I'm going to donate some money. Or I'm going to give him some money to help out. And I don't think that's crazy at all. So I guess it's whatever, like, groups you find yourself a part of. And if you're able to, Americans uh, as a whole is a wonderful thing. But I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. But anyone I, you come across on the internet feels a bit too uh, expensive. Sure, going to give money to them. I think it gets to the other point of what's really useful charitable giving and, you know, whether or not, like, actually just giving money to people in need is really doing a whole lot for anyone. I mean... But what should you be doing? Should you be giving them a voucher to a hospital? Like, <laughs> what's the plan? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's the need? Do we have a well, lot like of people? Well, like we just kind of talked about, you know, microloans have been shown to be very effective. So, yeah, kind of just giving them money, letting them choose how they spend it and what is best for them, as opposed to us going in and saying, this is what's going to be best for you. You must do it like this. So I don't. I think just straight up giving money is perhaps the most reasonable to people you know. To homeless people, I very much disagree. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely be a better culture if we cared more about helping people around us. I don't know if it would have that many big impacts or ripples across any greater space than that, though. Like, I'm not sure the culture of hundreds of years ago where everyone really did care about their neighbor had many positive impacts on the country as a whole or on the globe as a whole. You don't think a sense of a sense of neighborly communities a wildly positive impact for, on your country for the individuals, and like yourselves? Yes. For the individuals, certainly. Like you're probably a much happier, more content person who feels like they're doing something important with their time and money because you're helping other people and forming community, which is definitely going to make you happier. But I see it like I think I don't I don't understand why you can't just scale out. Like we start on the micro scale of uh, just helping your fellow man who's like your neighbor or whatever. Then all of a sudden you're like you're helping your fellow like townsmen, and then your town is helping another local town if they're struggling with something, and then your county's helping another local county or whatever your county's getting help from another local county. Like, and then it just scales out, does it not? I don't see why it wouldn't. At least to a certain extent. Like I think it's I, almost yeah. I think it's almost like wildly reductionary to just say that lives and dies at the individual level. I think it changes though, because it's not an individual anymore. It really changes the interaction, I think, psychologically for people, and I think it also changes the dynamics of the system that's interacting. Like I think having a county interact with a county is actually a lot different than an individual with an individual. And, yeah, I guess maybe if everyone I mean, cared how much, more, it would how much, roll into how that. How much belief do you have in, like, your regionality and loyalty to your region? Like, I don't know. I have uh, I have an immense uh, pride of, like, where the area that I'm from in Wisconsin and, like, the people around me. 
and I knew all the people from like town Dover and stuff. And then I also have an insane amount of pride just in Wisconsin in general, you know? So I don't know. I think, I think the idea of regionality, like, is very significant. And you can even, you can see that historically in the United States of people feeling more strongly towards their state or their region than they did nationally. Yeah, I think that's true for some of the population. I think it's less than half, though. I don't personally have any strong regional ties. I like, I think that's insane to say it's less than half. Like everywhere, <laughs> everywhere you go, like you hear, like there are tales of of every of everything, like mass holes. Like you know what I mean. Like like people yeah. have nicknames in their groups that they associate themselves with. So like one mass hole gets along with another mass hole more than. I would with them generally because they have a common bond of both being from Massachusetts. And then even like expanding that to New Englanders, New Englanders have common bonds because they're from New England. Like I think it's enough to matter though. For I sure. Don't, I don't know. And you can even look at it like sports teams. Like think about like, I'll, I'll wear badger gear or packer gear and people I've never met or don't know, I have no idea where they're from, will say like go pack go. And all of a sudden, that person and I have something in common that I feel closer to that person than anyone else on the street. Yeah, so I think I think your regionality is much more significant than you're giving it credit. But what's it do for me? What's it do I mean, for you? It opens a door. Like like that person and I might have a conversation. Then we might become friends. Then we might like. Then all of a sudden, maybe I'm his god, his child's godfather. Sure, yeah, personal connections for sure. I don't, I'm not sure, but it's through I, that tie of regionality. Sure, but are we struggling to make friends and have people we care about? I mean, some certainly are. I mean, of course, some people always have. I don't know. I and guess I would yeah. say that's certainly exacerbated given our times currently, and I would say it's probably exacerbated since the dawn of the internet. Maybe. That was supposed to be, I mean, that's, person. I'm pretty sure that Mark Zuckerberg strongly believes that Facebook is helping to solve that problem, so. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg, I'm sure, has all the faith in Facebook being the best thing in the world, and all power to our, uh, to our ruler there, but I tend to disagree with him. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it, I don't, I don't know, a lot of people are having meaningful connections through the internet, but it's definitely different than certainly. But you're also you're also probably generally meeting around a certain thing, like whether you're on yeah. like uh, a subreddit in Reddit or uh, like you're meeting through some common bond. Whether you're on like a a tractor parts forum or a subreddit on like hues of colors, you know, like I think your group. I think that your group mentality is so significant and we can emphasize that to create positive social change. How so? As a well, as opposed to dependency on any kind of foreign thing. Like I I feel so little affiliate like I feel so little positivity thinking about like the US government as a whole versus like sections of it I definitely uh, have an affinity for. But how do how would we create genuine positive social change through Pulling on groups. Yeah. Well, I think... I think you start with... Like, if we're just going to stick with sports as an example. 
I would start with, well, one pack of fans. Like, we already know we've got a ton in common. Like, well, a ton in common. We're both fans of the same team. And like to yell at other teams. Yeah, we're both fans of the same team. We think we're the best team. Yada, yada. Uh-huh. So we love we love this team through and through. And that's that. Then honestly, like, as much as we hate the Vikings and the Bears, like, I think we, we generally kind of feel a connection with them through our rivalry because we're neighbors and our regions touch each other. Like, our teams play each other twice a year, you know, home and away. So there are bonds forged through that that I don't feel uh, towards the Dolphins because they're in a different division in football. Yeah. But so now, so now I'm friends with my rivals, and we'll throw the Lions in there for, for giggles because uh, they're in the NFC North, too. They might be so competitive now, like, next century. Yeah, no shit. I mean, I doubt it, but you know, they can try. But uh, so now I feel like can, I, I have a common bond amongst uh, pretty much every Midwestern state, I guess, without uh, Indiana and Ohio. But, I mean, Nebraska, Iowa, the Dakotas, Minnesota, Illinois, uh, Michigan. Like there are there are common bonds based on our sports rivalries. There, like I can talk to a Minnesota fan about football because we play each other twice a year, and like I generally pay attention to them, and they probably pay attention to me too. Sure, but isn't it super contextual? Don't you need this context of sports to have to feel that bond? And if you aren't thinking about it, are you but really going to feel having, that? It's just having a starting point. It's just I mean, we always point. have a starting That's point just your of foot like in the door. I mean, you're. Everyone else is a person, too. Yeah, like, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like, having something in common is so much more significant of, of a foot in the door than, well, that's a human. They have the same number of chromosomes as me. Look, yeah, he's if you're trying to... X and a Y, too. <laughs> right, if you're trying to have a meaningful conversation, sure. No, just, just not even necessarily a meaningful conversation. Like, I don't, I don't need... Uh, a meaningful conversation about football to feel more connected to a Packer fan than I do to some random guy walking down the street in Denver. Like that's not necessarily having a meaningful conversation. That's just like that Packer fan and I have more in common just on that one thing alone, which is a much larger foot in the door than this dude walking down the street is also a white man in Denver, just like me. Like, uh-huh. But, I mean, and then I would say I've got more in common with the white dude walking down the street in Denver than I do with the white dude walking down the street in Seattle, you know? Yeah. Based on the, the strength at which I judge those bonds, like, yeah, I have a, I have a slight regional um, affinity for the, the stranger in Denver than I do in Seattle. Yeah, I agree. So uh, it's where's just, the it's payout? Just expanding, it's just expanding your tribe. Like, tribalism is obviously what humans are programmed generally to do. And expanding your tribe into understanding, like, feeling compassion towards other people because you have similarities. Like, it's, and it's sometimes hard for people to draw those similarities. Like, you and I might be able to say, well, that's a human being, so we have enough in common for me to treat them with decency and compassion versus other people need, this is the person who exactly aligns politically with me. Now I get to treat them with uh, compassion and reason, uh, you know, and kindness. 
Yeah. So I think you need like a certain amount. I think humans thrive in tribalism or not necessarily. I, I wouldn't say thrive, but a program to desire it, a tribe of sorts. And if you can use your small tribe to expand into how you are all one big tribe, I think you then gain a lot more power as a group. Certainly. Something small and taking it to a larger scale. That's the whole point of real diversity. That's the only reason the whole idea about how great diversity is has power is because the power is in seeing that diversity and having a broader set of opinions and being able to draw ideas from more backgrounds. Yeah, with the same, with the with the common core understanding that we're all similar in this right. position, which I think is the key. Like, if you don't have a base respect for one another, what good does diversity do? Yeah, so we're learning empathy through not so dissimilar connections. So, like, we start with someone who's not the same as us, but is similar enough in one way. But has it, yeah, has at least something that you recognize uh, in yourself. Right, and you can learn empathy through them and something that they're slightly different on, and then you can yeah. start extending that to greater and greater differences between two Maybe people. Maybe I don't hate this Vikings fan after all. Right. Maybe not. I mean, I probably do, but you know. Maybe, Maybe just when the game is happening and the rest of the time you realize they're also a person. They hate the Bears just as much as I do. Yeah, there you go. Well, now we're taking just... mature steps. <laughs> yep, then you just got to take shots at the other groups in your, in your little <laughs> game, which I don't, I don't think is, as long as it's unhealthy, I'm all for it. Uh, but I don't know. It's just, I just think it's, I think regional or like tribal support and grouping is significant. I think it's much more powerful and significant than any kind of government program ever could be because you don't have that tie to the government. Like we don't, the government is this overwhelming mass entity that takes our money and tells us what to do. <laughs> like none of these things are positive. Mm-hmm. Like, even people that reap great government benefits likely still aren't impressed with the government because they're probably not getting what they consider enough or, you know, or they're not being targeted specifically. They're not as helpful as the government claims they might be. Like, okay, I see your point over, now, yeah. Yeah, bonding over something that you all actually have in common can be infinitely more powerful than just this mass entity that overwhelmed that big brother that watches over all of us and... uh guides us with his uh i don't know omnipotent hand so you're saying yeah so you're saying it's far more powerful and meaningful and to the individuals to handle more things at a local level in communities and whenever your community yeah. can't handle it you need to have bonds to a greater community and help yeah. each other that way and basically exactly. scale up until you have the right size community for the problem at hand and can bond with other communities of similar sizes instead of trying to take an approach of let's start at the highest level and just fix it there and let it just disperse into all the individuals yeah and even if you need like even if i mean sometimes you just legitimately need charity like you just fully need a hand up to get to to pick you up out of the mud and if you get that hand from someone that you know it's so much more meaningful and it's so much and it 
matters so much more to you than just a string being dropped from the sky, you know? Because then you're then you've got skin in the game. Then you have a reason to want to pay it back. Yeah, certainly. That's the way I see it. No, I agree. That's interesting. I guess that makes me think of things like people speculating on wealth taxes in the future or with more automation and artificial intelligence as jobs begin to shift, as people gain more leisure time. How do you still have meaningful jobs? How do you still work the community aspect into it if I don't know, if we're assuming we're going to design our economy around taxing wealth and redistributing it through, like, universal basic income. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's a, that's interesting. That speculation is one that I've uh, yet to become a part of, although I'm sure I would uh, like to engage in it. <laughs> I guess it makes me wonder if there could be a psychological shift where it is normalized that you're taking... <laughs> some money from the government and you don't feel bad or disconnected about it if everyone's doing it or how that goes. Yeah, I don't, but I don't, yeah, that's interesting. I just don't, I don't know. I struggle. I struggle with the concept of not, I don't see it as, it it becomes a system that I see as so much more easily abused here because you don't, like, you don't see the person who's helping you. You don't see the person who is uh, maybe giving up, sacrificing something of their own so that you can so that you can get the hand up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so much more a system where, well, it's just this mass pool of cash. Why don't I get my, why don't I get my piece of the pie? Uh, which is the lesson we're learning from super impersonalized social media and impersonalized <laughs> internet interactions where... Yeah, our, people, uh, it brings out the absolute worst in people. Yeah, the better angels of our nature are on vacation. In that yeah, sort they're of not reaction. exactly appealed to. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I don't know. I that's that's just always been my approach to uh, situations such as this. Like, I don't know. It's just if you can get people invested and skin in the game. And uh, and having like that feeling of community support, like man, that must be incredible to know that like your community believes in you and they're here to help. It definitely Not does. This this entity is here to help, and they don't really fucking care. You just fit criteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it would make happier people. I guess I wonder how we empower communities to actually solve their problems. Like it really seems like a lot of cities right now are just so overwhelmed by like the homeless crisis, for instance, that they have no idea how to start solving these problems. Or we have a lot of urban areas with like extreme wealth inequality, like very poor people who can't escape like the vicious cycle of, hey, you're poor, so your kids are poor and next generation is poor and no one's yeah. gonna do anything about it. And like Well do you start I mean, do you start with taking away the excuse that a lot of people have? Which is well the government's taking care of it because I know that I just paid a quarter percent more in sales tax to help solve the homeless problem here in Denver. So to do I take away that excuse and thus put the onus back on the people that if, if this is a situation we genuinely want solved, we better get our shit together and figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. I 
I really do wonder. I don't think anyone's getting fooled that the government's actually going to solve these problems, even if they are. I think tons of people are getting fooled. <laughs> that if, if no one's getting fooled about the yeah. government, then why would we be having so many fucking people voting to, to give them more money, Sean? I mean, I think that's a more complex psychological question, perhaps, about whether or not but you feel like it's the right the thing to do, even if it, you do they... don't know it's going to help. Regardless of whether or not it's complex, uh, is the resultant the same? Thus, people are being fooled into giving more money to the government? <laughs> Certainly. Well, people, I, if you yeah, haven't I... guessed, I'm not exactly pro-government, and I don't <laughs> love uh, <laughs> I don't love taxes. <laughs> To all the listeners. I hate inefficient government just as much as you do, but I do think for sure if the problem can be solved best from a government program or if the rights can be guaranteed the most, it certainly makes sense. But I agree. I don't are know we... how you how are you gonna solve these community problems. Like who's going to step up? How is it how is there accountability on the individuals in that community? I mean, that's kind of the point of governments and elected officials that like they're how going would to represent they're... the people. Yeah, if, if that was a if that was a system that was actually uh, not just completely broken, perhaps that'd be true. But I mean, if you if you and I get a problem shoved in our lap, and we're told no one's going to solve this problem, what are you and I going to do? Yeah, but it's not shoved in our lap. We can just continue to ignore it. Like it really doesn't matter to us. Like, I don't think the, that's true. The at homeless all. Clearly, crisis... it's a, clearly, it's a thing that people think matter. If if they're if we're voting on it, clearly, it's a thing people think matter. Yeah, but you're not actually going out and doing anything about it. Like, no one in San Francisco because someone else has is done taking something care of about it. it. Because someone else is taking care of it. There's a lot of smart people in San Francisco who know no one else is taking care of it. And there are a lot of people on the streets getting in the way of their actual houses, and no one's done anything about it still. Then, yeah, then, I, then thus you arrive at your complex psychological problem where they have, an, they have an out, they have an excuse. I get to say someone else is taking care of it as opposed to if we don't have that excuse, I know no one else is going to take care of it. I can't say that no one else is going to take care of it. I can't turn a blind eye pretending like someone else is going to take care of it. I better get my shit together and try and take care of it. Do you think you're being fooled? Because you know all those things. What do you mean do I think I'm being fooled? Like, do you, or do you think you're, there's a psychological trick being played on you where you think someone else is going to solve this problem? If you had not enough at all. money to try and do something did I, about it. Did I vote for it? Absolutely not. If I had enough money, yeah, I would try and do something about it. If I had, be the, the, if only I had one. the right ideas, if I had the right ideas too, maybe I'd be even more passionate about it. But I don't know. I don't think that I have the right ideas. I haven't heard many of the right ideas. I don't even know if people are trying to find the right ideas. Like, it's, it's just are, interesting. But... You, yeah, it is. It's very interesting. But I'm also not. I'm also not the person who's voting for these for these measures. There are countless hundreds of thousands of people voting for these Denver, for these measures in Denver alone. I don't think that really so, indicates that much. Other than I think that a hundred percent indicates that they're either being fooled or willing to be fooled to give themselves an excuse to avoid the situation. I think there's a lot of ways to frame that. They could just be saying, well, let's at least try something because, you know, what's... Then they're a fool in a different right. I don't think that's fair. Why not? At least let's let's just try something. Let's just throw the money at the wall. Fuck it. 
the government generally does a good job handling large amounts of money. Let's give them more because they've solved all of our problems thus far. Right. But unless you can see another alternative, like they there's also no other solution to turn to. It's not like we can just vote this down and then just wait around for the superhero to show up. Like then we just wait around. 100% vote it down, wait for things to get worse until people are begging for solutions. And then you can get a crowdfunded solution. What if this can relieve some suffering of those people in the meantime? I don't believe in the relief of menial suffering that drives more overall. Sure, and I certainly a don't believe gain in the relief. I certainly, yeah. yeah, I certainly don't believe in the relief of menial suffering uh, because no one's willing to try to relieve major suffering. I guess, yeah. The point is that, <laughs> like, I'm not, um, a, I'm not a big fan of cutting off the leg to uh, stop the paper cut. Uh huh. No, I, I agree mostly. I guess maybe there's a way to do both, where you provide some relief while trying to fix the greater problem. But I mean, th- these are just details. Of- that, that, yeah, that'd be great if it was incentivized. But I don't see anything that's incentivized. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, you don't see anything in these plans that say. Well, we're going to do this. We're taking this approach in the short term right now while we work on a greater solution that is based on community approach, you know? Yeah, I I don't really see governments ever being able to handle these sorts of problems super effectively. Like the, the incentives are clearly not structured correctly. You'd have to restructure For sure. a large and, and portion of how government works. Government doesn't willingly get smaller. Right. Like, there's never the incentive for people to lose their own job. Because, like, let's say, it's like we talked about with, like, writers on race issues. So, if if I work in the Department of Homeless Management, which really, I don't know, that that sounds like such a dystopian thing. It's, it's kind of delightful. I think that there could be a fantastic uh, uh, dystopian novel written uh, with a main character in the Department of Homeless Management. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> You better get that title copyrighted. <laughs> but I think I think that idea is good because I think it, you could go a thousand ways with it. But um, I don't. There's no incentive for the person unless they're just a wonderful person, which I know that there are plenty of good people doing a ton of great things in the private sector, in the government, in in the government, in everywhere. There are a ton of good people that are doing good things for the right reasons, obviously. But for most people. The incentive of trying to solve your problem that would remove your job permanently and not, in theory, open another job is not really there. Mm-hmm. Like, solving this problem does not help me. <laughs> Just like solving racism does not help those people. Yeah, you, I mean, you'd need a, a cultural <laughs> thing where people actually cared about doing the greater good at the community driven solutions themselves community driven (laughs) solutions yeah i don't know it's just it just doesn't i don't know perhaps perhaps i'm much too negative and don't understand i mean i will fully admit that i'm likely ignorant to many of the the outcomes of some of these things but i don't know man it just doesn't it just doesn't seem it's very hard for me to fathom 
uh, positivity coming from these things. At least uh, positive solutions that will create genuine change are hard to see in my uh, through my eyes currently. Yeah, which is really sad and disappointing because I'm pretty sure that other people can come to the same conclusion, especially the people who are in charge of running these programs or like actually have the power and influence. Like, I doubt that they're confused about whether or not this is really going to help. And it makes you wonder about who's sitting down and seriously thinking about these issues and who actually cares enough to try to come up with some ideas to solve these problems. It really just seems like a lot of people talking about it, like talking about how much they care, you know, trying things that they know aren't going to work and then nothing actually gets done. I mean, it, it it's funny that so many of our of our issues so often tie together. We <laughs> we talked about we talked about and going back to the race thing, we talked about uh are these people what are the motives of these people? Are they wildly nefarious? Are they wildly nefarious hoping um like like knowing that they're playing this game that is uh not helpful but they get to that but they're doing a ridiculous amount of profiteering off of it or are they good people that genuinely think they're had they're doing the right thing but are just in my opinion very confused Mm -hmm. you know how much credit do we want to give people i think it's also useful to think of it as a system that people work within where they can mean well in the system but they're set up for failure like the base you know humans interacting with the existing structures of government or whatever system you have just is going to lead to bad outcomes because the system's designed poorly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's very fair, at least in this, in this uh, situation. I, I agree. But I don't think that that still covers the people that are really the higher ups. The people that, have the influence that are proposing bills that are mayors and governors and uh, like congressmen and women, you know, I just, I don't think that excuses them. Yeah. I do wonder a lot about them, about whether or not they just feel overwhelmed or feel like there's this general like diffusion of responsibility because they feel like, Oh, well that's, you know, somebody else is at a lower levels job, you know, they're overseeing that or like, you know, it's possible that the structure of government we have just doesn't lead itself well to having one person at the top like that or whatever like maybe you know we need to actually rethink how that all works but or it could be that the kind of person that ends up in that position is kind of an asshole to be a piece of shit generally yeah (laughs) for sure yeah yeah people that people that find themselves in positions of influence are probably rarely uh, of quality moral character in my opinion but I don't know. It's what <laughs> we could see. We see so many examples of different forms of governance. Like, yeah, obviously the United States is headed by the president, but we have an independent judiciary. We have um, independent lawmaking branches. Like that clearly isn't being as effective as it should be. You can look at cities with city councils that lead as opposed to mayors. I mean, 
this last election, Denver's mayor basically got his dick cut off by the people. Um, seriously, it was fucking insane. I don't know how anyone voted to pass these things that just give power to the city council. Like, the city council of Denver doesn't, like, now does not have to ask the mayor or the people for basic, like, permission for, to do anything. It's crazy town. I was blown away reading these things prior to voting uh, in the last election. It was crazy. Uh, so we'll I'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure it's going to go so well. But so how is, is the only solution, and this is where I generally find myself, is the only solution having those positions be less significant? Yeah, I feel like no one talks about this, really. I don't know. Have you heard many people talk about actually theorizing on, like, what works for government? Like, people really don't talk a lot about the breakdown of government versus, like, businesses. As For as much as, like, it's a popular topic, like, we're kind of just in limbo land, and no one's really trying to make a lot of progress on the area. Like, I'm sure there's some fields of study devoted to it, but... It's kind of I all just theoretical. Just kind of assumed, I think it's just kind of assumed, like, if you find yourself on this side, you believe this. If you find yourself on that side, you believe that. There's no... Yeah, you're right, that you don't... And perhaps we're the two rubes looking at the outside that haven't actually considered this. Perhaps it's just a thing that's so simple for everyone else that uh, you and I have found ourselves left behind, not considering, uh, or just now considering some of these ramifications. But, I don't know, I think... I think everything's just kind of lost in a wild assumption of you're on the right, you hate the government, whatever, move on. You're on the left, you want big government, move on. Like, you don't actually talk about the minutia. You know? Yeah, I think a lot of people behave that way, but I'm sure that there's a lot of people who rigorously study it. They're like, there must be people who think, okay, like, like we do, like, we actually want this problem solved the best way, no matter what the solution is. So let's actually look at how this plays out. Like, can we have government handle it? Is it actually the case where government at its best is going to be worse than, and, you know, this other approach? You know, like, I feel like maybe people are just actually guessing and the way politics plays out, this theory is all great, but in reality, it's never going to get implemented because you're never going to have an opportunity to try these things or get to the place where you could even implement your theories. Yeah. <laughs> so are there just powers that powers that be that uh, like the, the structures within which we currently have understand that I guess what I'm thinking right now, what I'm theorizing on, what I'm basing this idea on is considering 2016 and Bernie being basically shut out of the nomination, right? Mm -hmm. So Bernie was shut out of the nomination by the DNC, which is wildly, like, just common knowledge, and everyone just kind of accepts it and moves on. It's crazy. It's been, that's how it's gone forever, dude. There's no primary election. It's like, there's like, it's like 25% of primary election, 75% not. No, but, but so... Considering that as a structure, so the DNC is obviously already the structure in place, right? Yeah. And this is just an analogy for what could be a greater situation. So the DNC is the structure that's in place. They decided that to maintain their power or whatever, 
can't have Bernie. Bernie's gone. Hillary's in. Is that the kind of stuff that we're watching now? <laughs> like, whatever structures are in place in whatever governments or in whatever, uh, I don't know. I can't think of a term right now. But in whatever like depth that you want to consider it, are they are those structures already here and only allowing certain things to really be done? I think it's a couple different pieces. Like one of it, one part of it is like whether or not there's actually an oligarchy of like there's a small group of people intentionally doing things like which is definitely what happens with the DNC. Like they're pulling strings behind the scenes the whole time and getting the right people in the right places. But I think for then sure. there's also part of it that it's actually just the design of the system. Like, for instance, like the United States was designed to make things hard to change as a feature. Here. But then on the flip side, like, lost. that actually just makes things hard to change. So I think there's that part where like some of it's like actually intentional by groups of people. And I think some of it's just like inherently rises with how the government structured, structured or however yeah. what you know whatever thing we're dealing with yeah it's and i and i don't how could you possibly study that you know like it's it's something i want to see a study on like, like where are these things coming from what factors are at play or, or what can i see that i need i need some kind of data is i guess what i'm saying <laughs> I was just going to say, this is something. Uh, this is a statistician's we're gonna, we're gonna nightmare. So, we're going to get so, like, this is how people get so lost and caught up in conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. But, because cause we're obviously on the verge of one currently. Yeah. But, and, and that's where I both, I mean, conspiracy theorists, as much as I'm generally annoyed and I don't think they're incredibly thoughtful and I think their logic is ridiculous because you just rely on things that can never be disproven. Like it's all infallibility. Uh, it's, it's all stuff that should be thought about though. You know, it's things that should be considered and then we can look at it and say, well, that's ridiculous. And we just can't, we can't, we simply can't disprove it. And that's what you're running with. But also, they can be ideas that are significant and worth considering. Yeah, that's what's shitty about like this like real life and like yeah. this data set, like all your sample sizes are one, basically. Like yeah. I guess you could try to compare across things, but like everything's a little different. It's like trying to compare countries by like, you know, GDP or by standards of living. It's like, eh, like you can sorta of do it and people like publish these nice reports about it, but you you can't really compare United States and Greece. Like, you, yeah. you just can't. Or the like, Congo, you know? Or like, the Congo. In, like, the same way, like, you can't really compare across, like, different sections of the U.S. or, like, even, you know, super locally. You'd never be able to draw a conclusion about, like, what's actually contributing the most to these things. But it would be very interesting to try and get a better understanding of how this works and I mean, you'd it just be, be guessing, that'd though. Be nice to to hear people consider. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's what are the factors at play? What things are significant? What determines? What has the most likely determinant in outcomes? You know, it'd just be it'd be nice to see. It'd be nice to at least hear conversations about it. 
it'd be really nice if that found its way into politics because that would show me that those people actually cared. It'd be like yeah. somebody studying medicine to try to save people's lives, but they're just completely incompetent at it. And like they don't take the time to actually learn medicine. Like they're just shooting from the hip the whole time. Right. You'd look at that person and, and then, go, and then you could have studied. And everyone in this doctor just accepts this doctor the way it is. Exactly. Like, you could have. <laughs> there's science out there. You could have found the science and incorporated it. You could have gone and talked to smart people about this. But what we see in politics is, like, there's just completely devoid of any sort of reasoning, especially in public. Sure, some stuff happens behind the scenes. I'm sure they talk to smart people every once in a while. But, man, oh, man, they just go out of their way to make themselves look like complete fools who are totally insulated from thinking and just there for the politics part, not for the problem solving part. Yeah. 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 I, <laughs> it's crazy town. And, and I just need, <laughs> I need a politician. It'd be, it'd be very nice to see someone on the national stage. say like, listen guys, this is hard as shit. Like, Yes. I promise you, we are doing everything we can. These are what these are the steps we're doing right now. But this this situation is complex, and there is no silver bullet. So if if we don't get it, like listen, I'm not gonna lay out. I'm gonna I'm gonna say here here are things that I hope we can accomplish. Here are things that might be reasonable. I'm not gonna say we're gonna solve these problems. Like we're we're literally watching it play out on the border right now. Mm-hmm. We're absolutely watching what we're talking about play out on the border right now. Is all these fucking morons saying that they've got a perfect solution to the border control or border, yeah, border issues. And now we've got a hundred million kids in fucking cages left and right. Yeah, and like, like we're no, jamming no, everybody together. Hard. We got border patrol guys passing out fucking meals. Like, <laughs> this is insanity. Yeah. And it all stems from, it all stems from some senile old man saying, we're going to stop it all and America is going to be a nice place for kids again. Like, I don't know. Shit, like, man, it's a complex situation. Yes. I wonder if that person is electable. Like, the person who actually says how it is, talks about how it's hard, like, actually, like, if they're not, like, oh boy, is that sad. But I do have I a little think hope. They are. I don't think they'd ever get the opportunity to. I think. I've heard some people say that they think we're shifting towards that. Like, I've heard some people say, you know, I think most candidates will look more like Andrew Yang in the next 20 years, which I don't know. It's it would be a really nice thing if they were more like that, where you're more open and like, hey, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to bring these ideas. Yeah, I mean, on the, on the other hand, people. I don't want I don't want someone saying they're going to do their best. You know what I mean? Like, like, that's just a terrible message. Like, like okay. hearing, hearing yeah, you yeah. say, I want someone to say, I'm going to do my best. Uh, like, you sound like a child. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to go out there and have fun. But okay, no I, under I understand the sentiment. Yeah, I understand the sentiment where it's like, yeah, we need. I need people that are going to say, I'm going to do everything in my power to achieve results. But we need to be realistic about it. That's that's the message I want more than, you know, I, I tried really hard, guys. I'd smack my kid if they said, but I did my best, Dad. Shut up. <laughs> Don't get no so your work. best wasn't good enough for me. Yeah, no shit. Well, guess what, kid? You didn't win. You didn't do anything significant. I'm not sure I'm proud of you. I'm going to be a <laughs> that'll, good dad. Yep. <laughs> that'll, 
that'll do well for your relationship. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. So I think I think those people are electable, but they, they you need to be perfect every single time if that's going to be who you are. Mm-hmm. You need to be you need to have the right messaging every single time. And you have no room for error. You don't. You know? No, I mean, and that's why we don't see them because it's an uphill battle because the incentives in the system produce a, a very different kind of person, and we see them all over the place. Yeah, but it's just it's just insane. I mean, I don't I don't understand. I I don't understand why everyone just gets so obsessed with this idea that everything's going to be better because one person power changed hands from one ancient man to another ancient man. That's why really powerful people who spend a lot of their life learning end up just making businesses to try to solve problems. And not many people who are really, really smart go towards politics, which sounds kind of bad, but it seems like that's the case. Because you probably just go start a business and make a bunch of money and spend a lot of time. For sure. There's there's definitely old jokes like that. I mean, my dad and uncle used to tell me shit like that all the time. Like, anyone with a brain goes out and and starts a business and does something with their life. But, and anyone who's charismatic goes into politics because they can make a ton of money that way because they don't have to be smart. They don't have to be necessarily hardworking. They can just, you know, see people bullshit and and see where it all washes out because it doesn't, because there's no ramifications at the end of the day on those people. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, Joe's, Joe's getting his dick sucked still. Joe and Trump are getting their dick sucked by different people for both being fucking idiots half the time. Joe sure. being a fucking idiot pretty much all the time now, but whatever. You just gotta you know, deal with your name being dragged through the mud by a bunch of people and lauded by a bunch of other people. It is just sad that like we all do really care about the kind of person who's like actually cares for the right reason like they're national heroes for basically all of us like if you're going to government for the right reasons to really try to do things that help and that are thought through well like people love you like that's about as good as it gets but somehow we just can't manage to have those people come out the other end and it's it's so interesting because like you see people that are I don't know, down to earth, seem like actually good people that, while I might disagree with them, are at least going to take approaches to try and tackle these complex issues and acknowledge them as complex issues. Like Tulsi Gabbard, for instance. I genuinely liked her as the Democratic candidate. Why wasn't she more popular? Everyone I talked to says they loved her. She, so how does how does this happen? Balls. Yeah, like how so? <laughs> but it's just it's just insane. Man, it's insane. I mean, Joe, if you... <laughs> I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts uh, going back uh, a year and a half ago. And then I'll talk about how Joe's out of the race, you know? Because he did <laughs> shit in, he did like shit in Connecticut or New Hampshire or something. And he's not going to make it to the South where he's got his like wall of black voters that are going to help. No, he'll probably get it. He'll probably concede before that. Like, it's crazy how well the system works to put the people that they see. And, you know, I mean, honestly, they are electable. So maybe that, maybe the system is right, but then maybe the system is right as far as getting an electable person in or okay, knowing well, that you've got the person that can win a race. When it's a 50, you know? 50, everyone's electable. 
What do you mean it's 50-50, though? Once, you're, once you put somebody through the primary, like, you're just, like, you're just going to break up the Democrats and Republicans 50-50. Like, it's going to be close no matter what. Like, anybody's electable. No, but because of the closeness, that means that you have to have the X factor that will push you over the it's 50-50 to it's 51-49 or it's 52-48. Like, because of the closeness and because of the inherent closeness that will happen, you that makes the X factor of this person's electable that much more important. And how they value the things that are electable, yeah, we could probably argue could result in different outcomes that would be more beneficial to everyone. But the significance of what's considered electability is even more is is so important because of how close the races are somewhat destined to be. Well, yeah, it's amazing that I mean, it's you're basically labeled as conspiracy theorist, though, if you even try to say like, oh, wow, well, the DNC just pulls the strings and gets their guy or girl out there. And but it's hilarious because it's like openly it's acknowledged. True. It's just fact. But that's something happens. that like everyone acknowledges too. Well, not. It's crazy. Well, I don't think most people know that. Like, do you think if you really went up to somebody and said like, you know, how do you think a primary gets decided? Like what percent of the primary decision is the voters? Most people would probably say 100%, which is just clearly not true. I think if you went up to somebody and said, the DNC pulled strings so that Bernie won't win in 2016. I think seven out of ten people would agree with you. Now I wonder. I I wonder if they'd make the connection though, or like, I don't know. Like, would they make the connection that but that happens all the way up and down? Yeah. Like, but what connection do you really need other than acknowledging? I mean, you've got to start. You've got to start building blocks. You got to start with a foundation somewhere, and that's. That's the first step is just acknowledging that this is something that happens or is able to happen, you know, like whether or not you understand the minutia of every single interaction, which I certainly don't like you need to you need to start somewhere with that acknowledgement. Yeah, I don't know where it goes, though. I mean, what, how are you going to fix the system? It's, I mean, just... it's, it's like we're addicts, you know, I mean, our first step is denial. Next step is admittance, <laughs> you know, right. And then. Third step is, hey, this isn't so bad. I'll just keep going. Yeah. Yeah, because we're, we're hopeless addicts to a fucked up system. I don't know. I don't know. See, that? I don't think many people are addicts. I just, I don't think most people care that much. Like, I really don't. But, I don't know. Is complacency part of the addiction? Like, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so significant, yet also doesn't actually impact the day-to-day lives of that many people enough that most people don't really care i think it's i think it's a symptom of the i think it's a symptom of the drug personally yeah because they just care about their communities and their community governments like why do people get people get more excited about like their local governor i mean i sure as hell council members are you kidding i absolutely do yeah i know which is because it matters way more Certainly to you, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so like, I'm, so I'm also part of the drugged out illusion. <laughs> but maybe it's, maybe people don't think it's that big of a problem. <laughs> I'm seeing fever dreams with everybody else, man. Like I don't know, <laughs> and I'm just, I just tie off and hit it again. Just light up again, yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, got the needles out, huh? I think this is a little bit worse than just lighting up, personally. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would uh, I would compare our governance more to heroin than I would to weed, but yeah, I don't you know, can smoke 
crack. Yes. <laughs> How many people have referred to crack as lighting <laughs> up? <laughs> this one, who has a lot of experience in <laughs> yeah, drug exactly. Yeah, the drugs. The street drugs. Yeah, <laughs> hooliganism. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just insane, and we live in such a crazy world. But that's and that's another thing that just makes it so desirable to remove yourself from it. Well, that's why. Like, I... Even if you, even if you're openly acknowledge, even if you are fully aware, like if you're enlightened to the point where you see all the problems and all the fucked upness of it, like that's just incentive for you to avoid it. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, I mean, it feels overwhelming, but it's also the reason why I have such a hard time getting, like, or seeing people so emotionally worked up about, like, such small things when it's like, okay, well, we all know the system's massively broken, and if we fixed it, it would have a way bigger impact than anything else going on, you know, with this latest bill in government or whatever other nonsense is going on. I mean, that's the other drug people are taking is they just get so caught up in every single thing that's happening, they forget, like, the big picture. Yeah, but, okay, here's my response. As as that person that I kind of am, but also, obviously, yeah, my brain won't allow me to fully be. Okay, so what's your plan? How are you going to change it? How What what impact am I, what, what am I going to do that's going to change the impact uh, and going to make my life better than it is now? when I can just avoid the situation, not really care, and continue to live basically the same life. And that sounds like we're right back to our discussion before on homelessness and communities. Like, there is no real personal responsibility and accountability. And, I mean, how, there couldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. And until, until, there, until there is no other choice but to be accountable for it. <laughs> right. Certainly. Which, at a large scale like that, I, I mean, you really can't. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it's obviously it's a system where it's a system that could and and it it by its very nature, like you you simply couldn't have a government that's going to impact on a personal basis three hundred and forty million people, like that'd be insane. It'd be it'd be an absolute clown show trying I to mean, manage that. It depends on what you mean by impact. I mean, we certainly have social security and halfway socialized medicine, so I mean, there is that. For sure, but also, okay, Social Security, okay, lock the top, we'll call it 100 million people off. Okay, now i got 240 million people that don't really care about that other than it's 6% of my paycheck that I pay regardless, regardless, regardless. Okay, mm-hmm. next. You know, healthcare, got a job, next. Like, I I, I don't know. But then also, but, but then making making a government system that affects every single person is also such a gross perversion of what i see as the role of government too well, I that think i like that i would never want that people who have studied history at all understand that that's just complete nonsense that's not at all what you want of course yeah, i would rather have a i would rather have a government system that i never feel the impacts of yeah it comes down to whether or not what you de- you know determine is feeling the impacts of because like you know you drive on roads and go to public buildings but you know yeah it doesn't really feel like a day-to-day impact certainly no yeah i mean yeah. it's not yeah i'm in i don't know if you want to go henry david thoreau and just <laughs> decide that i'm gonna only pay the taxes that i feel i should 
Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I wish more people had, like, really genuine conversations about, like, bigger topics like that. Like, I don't know. I feel like the like the theory of government conversations just absolutely go in circles. Like, we'll have learned something very important about, like, the role of capitalism in society. And then we'll still have people talking about, like, how evil capitalism is or how much they want socialism, you know, communism. And, like, it just really blows my mind that, like, we can have learned oh, so Sean, many things. I understand that 100 million people have died via uh, socialism, but billions of people have died to capitalism. So, you know, what's the point? All right, which just isn't a serious conversation or argument <laughs> it's, at it's all. Like, you haven't not. thought about it at all. It's simply not. No, we're not right. engaging. We're, you and I are not engaging on the same level, sir. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah I, I don't know but but how how can you ever achieve this utopian approach to governance and and charity as a social as a as a societal construct and helping your fellow man i mean it all kind of it all it this is wild how well we're tying this entire episode together i'm impressed first and foremost but because <laughs> everything i mean we're tying the whole goddamn podcast together but i don't know it's just and maybe this is why, if I'm a person of power, like, you've got enough, you've got shit coming on your plate every single day that maybe you just don't have time to discuss this, you know? Or, like, like it, it'd be so easy to see how a conversation like this should be put on the back burner when you've got threats to our nation, people dying, like, shit happening left and right, you know? Of course, a, a philosophical conversation about governing approaches is going to be put on the back burner as it probably should you know i think that's actually a really deep point here about planning for the future and i think you know it's it becomes a hard sell because it is it's taking you'd have to take a short-term loss where you ignore some of those things and maybe things get a little worse for long-term gain but i think it applies to people's lives individually too like if you look at someone like going through their life, like, right, like a lot of people end up at like 50 and go, shit, what have I done? I didn't plan my life very well, or I didn't think about this at all in my 20s. And now I'm wondering if I spent my time the right way. And I think that's exactly what the government does all the time, or basically, our, you know, society in general, like, we really don't think about planning for the future. And we don't value it, because I think we don't understand the inherent investment that we're making and how that grows exponentially if we plan now and spend the money now for the future. Whereas when we're always fighting reactively, like it's just so much worse if that's how you're going through. And yeah, I don't know how you get yeah. that message through to people. And then your and then your ramifications now, again, if you already fought, are fighting from this position of weakness, you're still making the ramifications that are going to be felt in the future. You're just not making <laughs> positive investments. You're not making sound investments. Yeah, exactly. Like we we're currently I mean, you could look at it like by not trying to do more optimal planning and things for the future, we're actively screwing people over 10 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, all the incentives and in the systems of government are for people to focus on the super short term, like anything more than a year away, like you're crazy to spend time on that. But we're right? also I mean, Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think you and I are 
we're talking in a very idealistic way currently where, okay, I mean, if you want to use climate change as an example, no matter where either of us fall on the significance of it mm-hmm. or the drivers or whatever. So people are saying, I mean, yeah, one side of the argument says you're not planning for the future at all. Like you don't care if, if the earth burns, you're just going to rape it for all of its resources and, and see where the chips fall so you can make money now. Okay. That's one side. Sure. And we've kind of expressed uh, positive sentiments towards that. Maybe not in this aspect, but in other approaches, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the other side is, okay, well, do you want every single American to be paying $5 a gallon for gas uh, to lose countless jobs in the energy sector to be dependent on other nations right now for energy needs? Like, there needs to be a – the balance is impossible to find, but it needs to be there. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happens is we know how to do risk analysis like this. Like, we know how to take those risks. Like, companies do this every day, all the time. They make investments for and the future. And what if the risk they is run... being analyzed and we're just not told about it? I mean, that's a failure to communicate, but it very it could very well be what's happening. I mean, that's the conversation, though. Like, the conversation always just, like, ignores the fact that we know how to solve the problem, or at least we have some ideas about it. And then just, like, they make a caricature out of people's opinions and arguments. Or people caricature themselves by being, like, anti-climate change. Like, we shouldn't even think about it. Like, like you're clearly not a serious person. And on the other side, not allowing a concession that maybe we need to not spend all of our time and money on something like you're also clearly not a serious person like how do we not wade through these arguments you know like better i don't know we get so stuck on like dealing with bad arguments all the time that like well, yeah. no one spends time <laughs> thinking about the right ones but these are the things that get you elected these are the things that sell your news stories like <laughs> the dramatics of it all are the things that like they, it puts asses in the seats it puts voters in the voting booth. Yeah, no, no. You know? sure. So, so of course we're getting caught up on the on the bullshit of it all, uh, and have just two stands, lob or two uh, sides lobbing rocks at each other behind walls because it's easy, and you know you can. It just assures that the status quo will be maintained. Mm-hmm. So I guess where do we assign the personal responsibility? Like when I think about these people, if you're not like actually caring about like I don't know, people will use the like the guise of saying, Well, we have to behave like this to get anything done. That's just how it works, you know, we can't aim for these lofty ideals, but like when I look at that person, should I be like, Well, if you're not working on caring about real solutions, then you're not working at all? That's how it feels yeah, a mean, lot of the time. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's exactly the way to look at it. Like, you're not you're not taking a serious approach. You're just taking the easy way out, where you don't actually have to do anything because it doesn't change anything for you. And if we want this ridiculous status quo to continue, then yeah, you keep doing your thing. But I personally don't. So, yeah, I think I think that you're a ridiculous person for it. Yeah, and it's a problem of when everyone else is behaving one way. And you're the only one doing the right thing. Let's see. Sean, are you a third party voter now? I'm not saying that you weren't before, but I'm pretty sure like we're just having third party voters, myself included, have been having this conversation forever to try and get people to understand how we can change the current system of just 
disgusting two party. I don't know. It's yeah. That's that's what I feel like we're talking about right now. Yeah, it's the same problem. Definitely. It's like, how do you fix? I mean, the whole problem we've been discussing is basically how do you take a broken system and fix it when all the incentives are screwed up for the people to behave poorly when you're in it? All the incentives are aligned for the system to prevent itself from being changed because you need like radical thought leaders somehow convincing everyone, you know, as a group. Like, basically, how do you take a broken system and fix it when you have no power influence over the system all right sean how do we get a third party elected (laughs) like you know how are we gonna do it because i think it would it might actually that might be your linchpin it's it's this entire thing boiled down into that which might actually be because by bringing in fresh blood new perspective uh different people you might actually experience that yeah, I don't know. I I haven't thought about it too much or looked into it too much, but what I have heard is that it sounds good in practice, but for many countries who have a different system, it actually doesn't change a whole lot, that the dynamics still end up playing out where it's still all just politics and everyone sort of has to deal with the system the same way. No, I don't I, mean, know. I, I believe that. I believe that. But I also believe that a jolt of fresh blood and Democrats and, and Republicans realizing that they might not have the stranglehold that they always have. I, I struggle seeing that as not a positive thing. No, I agree. Where, I mean, where I, you've at least got to try now. I've been a you big can't just third party assume guy. It's 50-50. Yeah, I've been a big 30 party guy at, at different points in my life, but I've never like actually tried to think it through whether or not it would fix the problem that <laughs> we're talking about. And whether or not it, I, again, don't want to get caught in this, like, fallacy of having a silver bullet, you know? I don't want us to get stuck in that very same situation we just decided we loathe. So, I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to fix the problem. It just might be a positive, a, a positive shock to the system that we might need to get the heart going again, you know? No, I agree. I, I, I feel like a lot of people, think about it wrong when we talk about like changing things like changes are supposed to happen gradually over time towards your desired destination like it's not supposed to happen quickly because then things break like you want things to change gradually but consistently towards a better state and yeah i agree i think that might be like one of the steps on the way is some sort of major disruption to the two-party lock or maybe it's a realization that fuck, who cares about government? Like, we need to solve these problems other ways. I don't know. Yeah, which would be, I'm all for, but I don't know. It just it just seems like we need something to at least get the current dominant parties off their asses and saying, hey, maybe we actually do have to try to get these votes still. Yeah, I mean, the way it is now. And now I'm, and now I'm making an argument for let's do something to see if it works. It might as well do something to make it a yeah. To do something, <laughs> might as well vote for that tax, right? Yep, I'm trying. I'm trying to make it a little more nuanced than that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like in my head. I'm not trying to be too hypocritical here, but I think there's definitely, at least in this opinion, at least in this instance, it seems that introducing a new player to the game 
that disrupts the power at least a little bit would be very positive. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like at this point, it's just like you got to try something, I suppose. I don't really see how the change is going to happen otherwise, but I also don't see how you're going to get somebody elected. And I'm not even like necessarily saying we got to try something just to try it. Like, I just think that we need, like, I think positive disruption is what we need currently. It's not, I don't see it as just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. I see it as a targeted approach to making the current powers that be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's what I see the current government situation as like, could be a whole hell of a lot better which would be a whole hell of a lot better for all the citizens of the united states and perhaps set some global leadership as to how to be a better country but it's also not like in such a desperate place that we need to totally break it down and rebuild it somehow yeah no i don't i don't (laughs) i don't think i mean i the founding principles of the united states to me are rock solid I think they're beautiful, and I think they're incredible. Did they did they need to be tweaked along the way? Absolutely, but did they make them better? Yeah, yeah. Because and I think the founding principles are still the founding principles. It's just we weren't doing a very good job acting on it at the time. You know, the idea that all men are created equal and free is a great founding principle to to hang your hat on. Was it enacted correctly? Absolutely not. But have we done yeah. what we can to? To, co- to course correct I mean we've definitely course corrected at least uh, significantly but yeah we've definitely made huge improvements certainly there's always more room to improve but I mean it does feel like we're well over half the way there it does make me wonder like is if we're things- not over halfway of if we're not over halfway there with everyone being able to get married everyone being able to vote no one being a slave Huh. I think we're to, I think we're significantly over halfway. Yes, I think we're in the last five percent, and this in the five below the final five percent are always the hardest to get right. As any person who's taken a test or studied for something, it's easy to get over fifty percent. It's easy to get over a C. It's easy to get over seventy-five percent. Man, getting from A to one hundred percent is brutal. Yeah, that's the Pareto's law or whatever it is. Like if you look at the slope of the curve it basically gets horizontal there where you have to go really far on the x-axis to get a small improvement on yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. i don't man i could look like a real idiot trying to discuss which mathematical curve it is that <laughs> it's yeah, like do an, you want to take a stab <laughs> no i i really do not but it's it's like a flat ass tail on one side sharp up and then 90 degree to flat again uh, although obviously gradually improving the entire time, like, yeah, yeah, that's where it feels like we're at. We shot, we shot upwards from 1850 to, or from 1870 to 1860. Well, we shot upwards after 1965, right? Yeah, I would say we we accelerated at an astronomical rate at that point. And then we got to where we are now. And everything seemed kind of like chill in the 80s and 90s, and maybe even early 2000s. And now we're just at the shit show, trying to cross the finish line. I'm shitting down my leg. Like, it's been a long race. <laughs> I mean, and that's the problem is it becomes very relative for people. Where, if like, the last 5% now looks big, 
because they didn't see it when it was at zero. Yeah, or they didn't see it when it was at 35 or even like 75, you know? Uh But, no, I don't know. It's very, it's very, very interesting. And it'd be nice if, if some people thought about it that way. It would be very nice. I'm trying to keep this graph headed in the right direction as opposed to taking a sharp, sharp, uh-huh. sharp turn back towards uh, the x-axis. Yeah, I I think it's all just steam and smoke. I think we'll, we'll be fine. But I do wonder how our forms of governing will continue to hold up as the world changes more rapidly versus, I mean, the last 200 years, or 200 years after the U.S. was formed, like, basically not much changed, it seems, and or at least slowly enough where we could definitely keep up with it. Yeah. And now a lot of the ways we handle things seem a little slow, but that is part of the, that is on purpose, too, so. And, yeah, it's totally, and I think there's, a lot of credibility in saying slowness to prevent rashness is positive. I don't, I don't really believe. Yeah, like I mean, like we've talked about a thousand times in this episode alone, doing something for the sake of doing something isn't necessarily the move, or is rarely the move. So, if we need to take our time to make sure that we actually get something right now, I would rather do that than to make rash changes under the guise of hoping that hoping that it'll work out and hoping that it's beneficial uh, in the long run, you know? Yeah, definitely. Plus, that'll never happen, or at least not <laughs> soon. Like, no one's going to come along and change the structure of the United States no, in the no, next no, 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 few no. decades. <laughs> and it's not even, I'm not even saying just, I'm not even saying the United States. I'm talking a lot more micro, even just in the sense of, like, race relations or something like that. Like, Sure. We things are so much better than they were, and obviously there's still a, a ways to go. And we need to be, we need to be perfect. So we need to be as perfect as we can as a country. Which perfection is never something that you can achieve. It's only something to strive for. Is mm-hmm. I believe, but trying to taking rash approaches in something as sensitive and as serious as this is a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely is. I mean, if you look at it like... You're playing a dangerous game. Like, it just feels like we're playing Russian roulette and waiting for the bullet to go off. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't I don't think we're playing with a big enough fire to actually kill ourselves, but... I... I I don't think so, but we're definitely playing a game that's dangerous enough to to ruin. Maybe lot. burn you. We were cruising along in conversation. We were a nice little break there. <laughs> that is a nice little break, and maybe uh, I've been thinking about it. Maybe a, a topic change quickly, or at least I don't know. We we were yeah. hammering home that, but I just had a a, a long weekend of thoughts about uh. Well, I was home this last weekend, as Sean, you know, but no one else does. Uh, so I was home this last weekend with my parents and Sam. 
and just doing stuff. You know, this some classic like homestead stuff. You're back, uh, you're back in the country. You're cutting chopping the trees, wood, you're splitting wood. Oh, buddy, hauling lumber. I split so much wood. My back and arms are sore. I'm, I feel like shit today. You could just have that sentence on a recording and play it to me basically every time you come back from being at home i feel like that's just the same story you tell (laughs) it's true though it's true man like we we cut down a massive oak tree like like three foot uh diameter oak tree and that shit is brutal you guys don't have uh power tools up in the old north woods no we hardly have electricity but uh no, all all I get is a solid steel maul. So a maul is just like an axe, but with a wider head on it, used to split lumber. All right. So <laughs> it's a steel handle with a two and a half inch wide tapering to a dull point across six inches head oh, on it. Oh my goodness, that's brutal. Yeah. Dude, it weighs like 14 pounds. and you swing it and it just has no forgiveness. No, it just like, boings back. Like yeah. yeah, and the wood doesn't break that often. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they and Dad bought it because he was sick of wood handles breaking on him. <laughs> Does the man not know about chainsaws? No, but like chainsaws, chainsaws will cut the tree down, but they don't split it in half. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so once once you have your uh, your cylinders of of oak. Ah, uh, yeah. Then you got to split them split into pieces them. that you can finally fit into a, a fireplace. And my God, man, that is taxing trying to throw this 14 pound piece of steel into an unforgiving piece of wood, hoping that you hear a cracking sound. But so I yeah, don't know. you were thinking about home, huh? And there's and there's I don't know. There's just nothing better. Like, well, one. It's, it's it really is one of my favorite activities because you just I don't know you're just doing a physical task and your 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 thoughts are free you're not you you're just I don't know doing physical labor it's nice but yeah it's kind of meditative even it, it really is it really is like that's that's definitely where I feel uh, at peace I guess but it's just it's it's really weird establishing what home is and I mean. Obviously, you and I are both people that have moved away from what we once considered home to places that, I don't know, I guess I never had these feelings like when I was in Madison, when I was in college, it didn't ever feel like home was that foreign of a concept. Mm -hmm. Did Madison feel like home or just that you weren't far away from it? I think Madison felt like home. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, I definitely called it home. Yeah, yeah I, I also I didn't. That. I didn't really expect it to be home. I don't know. You know, you kind of you know you're in college, and it's like you're gonna be going somewhere else soon. And but it yeah. did feel it did feel very homey, especially after we'd been there for a year or two. Yeah, and, and I mean, we had a great group of guys, and we all got along very well. And it was, and I guess maybe proximity to home aided with that you know close enough to never be that far away but it was just a it was just a tough thing thinking about it this last weekend just what do i like where is home what do i want home to be what will home involve for me in the future here 
Yeah. I talked with Haley about it a little bit, too, once you mentioned it. <laughs> really? Where did you guys uh, come out on it all? We both decided we sort of felt like we were at home. Like, we have a home in Florida, but we also decided we were probably much less, like, regional homey people than you are whereas you value the small community a lot more and value like knowing intimately the area around you whereas we're a little bit more of the renegade type well i mean i guess i sorry i love my parents you know being close to them in their uh, elder years what can i say (laughs) (laughs) please do apologize (laughs) uh yeah I, i for sure i'm definitely uh it's sorry you you've tripped my mind you've you flipped a breaker just i i would never have described you as more of a renegade than myself hmm so so this this these definite this is kind of throwing my mind for a loop currently well maybe we have inaccurate perceptions of each other <laughs> no which i don't think is true <laughs> but Maybe I I would say perhaps more likely uh, our perceptions of each other don't necessarily align with our perceptions of ourselves. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. Which is which is an interesting thing in its own, but huh? Renegade Sean Thompson, flying by night, taking the world by storm, riding freight trains around, yeah, you know, riding the storm out. No, I don't know it. I guess it made me feel like the idea of home isn't all that important to me because I I don't feel super away from home ever. I don't know. Interesting. And I for me I'm realizing that like my idea of home is so tied to where my family is. Mm-hmm. like my family and I, this was just very much part of my upbringing like I was close with every single one of my cousins like mom and dad's side like I know both sets of aunts and uncles really well I knew I mean second cousins and third cousins generally well and it's weird being far from a lot of that and it's yeah. it's such a it's such a it's a thing that's so valued in my family and something that's like like your your name is everything and your family will have you ba- have your back regardless and they're going to help you out in any in any situation so it's weird like actively choosing to be far from that mm-hmm. yeah that's a really cool i mean i guess there's the trade-offs of like that's a really cool community and like sense of have people having your back and like yeah but it's like it turns out it's crippling leaving but it's also right (laughs) (laughs) and like at the same time everyone knows exactly what you're up to and expects a lot from you and but perhaps that's a healthy environment to be in at least as far as an environment of high expectations and of support too is very important depending on your personality where yeah you might need that more or less 
Yeah, I didn't have, well, I had a very different experience. Well, not very, but different enough experience, I think, with family growing up where like extended family was not really a big deal. My dad's side lives all across the country and my dad's parents lived in Guatemala. So, you know, that was plenty far away. And then my mom's family was all in the area, but we were never close at all. Like we, I don't know if I've ever had a real conversation with most of my cousins. Interesting. Yeah. Again, I mean that, and that the ability to just go and like, and set up a life, like, like where where the winds take you is cool. It's very appealing in some senses, but it's also, and it's it's for sure something that I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I ever fully did, even if I thought like that's kind of what it was like coming out to Denver for me. Like I'm still moving to a place that has family. Mm-hmm. I'm moving to a place that's like generally comfortable as far as uh, work. Like there's there's still a low risk move. No, but I see what you're saying. Like you do have some of that renegade wanderer in you too. I guess where like you do. I feel like you wanted to try that at least. And I guess and, I see like our our renegade personalities perhaps in different places. Like sure. I I see my renegade side as like probably a little more reckless than you. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll <laughs> uh, a little uh, perhaps a smidge more of a devil may care attitude. I'm a little more risk averse. <laughs> well, well, I don't even know. I don't know if that's always true, but but in like social settings or yeah and so i guess i see that in social settings more than anything else yeah i'm not the first lemming off i have but i'm right behind you i have a full on yeah for sure for sure i have a full on uh fuck it let's see what happens or like let's 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 embrace the night Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean you you definitely lived a much uh you took a much more interesting journey than me as far as like once you got out of madison once yeah. once you left madison you did a much more interesting thing than i did you went off uh fully into your own into the wild where you know nothing and had i no one <laughs> yeah absolutely but no one except you well, just hey, you just did it well i mean i, I suppose she counts as something <laughs> it helps <laughs> she she's just here so i don't get lonely amen you know yeah once you get it oh, well if you had a dog of your own, it just helps that she came with one too. Yeah, there you go. So I don't know. I mean, that's quite impressive in its own front, frankly. And it's not—I I don't know—it's not something that I'm, I'm confident. I'm—I'm sure I could handle it, but it's not something that I think I would willingly choose necessarily. Because mm-hmm. I'm just a—I'm just a home homesick. Needs family around, little baby back bitch. What can I say? <laughs> That's one description for it. If you want to be a little overly critical, but yeah, I don't know. I sometimes I get hit by like a wave of missing some of that more hominess, or I don't really ever get uncomfortable. And I'm much more introverted, so I don't miss having a large group of people around me, and I'm not really ever uncomfortable being away from home or like you know having to figure out shit all on my own but i do miss sometimes like just having more friends around or like dream about yeah like having 
a bunch of people who live in an area relatively close to me who are all like really good friends in the way that you can just like hang out and not have any barriers up and not have to be meeting yeah. new people but just know each other like intimately yeah. well and have each other's backs and i think i think where it generally stems from for me like yeah of course if i if i was back in the midwest area i would get all that i'd get all that in space mm-hmm. as well but I just, in my childhood, I valued those relationships so much, like like going, spending a weekend seeing the cousins and seeing them every Christmas and Thanksgiving and any, any high holiday. And it was such a significant part of my childhood that it's really hard being away from it now. Mm-hmm. It was such a, it was such a factor for me growing up that to just kind of leave that behind is, is weird. Like I've severed a of what was a very serious connection. So what do you think? I'm sure you've been thinking about it. Like, what do you think you want in the future? Or do you know how you feel about it? I would love to. I mean, if my parents are, if my parents are still where they are now, I think I'd probably move. I I would love to be in the Minneapolis area. But if they ended up moving south, like they're they're talking about, like being close, being closer to dad's family, uh, perhaps the Chicago, Milwaukee area would be for me. Madison, even, which would have fill my whole heart with joy. But Ooh, yeah, so south, man. I was ready for <laughs> <laughs> somewhere below <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> no, no one, no one. The, the plague and oh Jesus, you, you beep that out. <laughs> uh, this family does not go south of the Mason Dixon. For the most part, <laughs> there are there are there is one there's one group of us, uh, one clan down south. Uh, but I don't know, and I don't even know them, so it hardly feels like their family, really. Yeah. But no, the the clan does not. Well, this clan with a C, not a K, does not exist south of the board, uh, south of the uh, Mason Dixon line. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know. And I don't know. Just Wisconsin makes me happy, man. I love that place. It does. I love the people. There's... I love the the food, the the lakes, the everything. It makes me happy. Yeah, it certainly. I've thought about this before, where like we were having the time of our lives in college, and it was a great place to be in Madison, and then we all just knew that we wanted to move away somehow. And it yeah, kind of it's, makes it's you just, wonder, like, it just feels huh. like we're the biggest idiots in the world. Right, like, like I mean, we're all doing something that we all deeply enjoy. Yeah, and we're all, I we, maybe we needed it to, like, we needed to try something just to, you know, expand the horizons or come yeah. back to know what you like at the you end of the day. You don't know what you got till it's gone situation. That's the, yeah, the alchemy. Don't it always seem to go? No. Uh, <laughs> I was I was referencing a song. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was referencing a book, of course. Oh, wow. Yeah, look at look at me, the the pop culture, uh, pop culture. guy versus I'm Mr. A Mr. Yeah, indeed, classically trained mm-hmm. intelligentsia. Oh, but yeah, right. Sometimes you find the treasure right back at home, and yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I think about it, and I don't really think of a lot of downside to that. Yeah, I guess jobs, but I mean. What are you doing anyway? So, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know. It's 
and that's that's the hardest part is if I was to stay if I was to stay with my current job like I'm sure I I'm I'm very confident I could make plenty of money and get equity in one company or two you know mm-hmm. but I'd be tied to Colorado forever. Well, yeah, unless you wanted to sell it and get out of there, but yeah, but then I can't imagine my family being impressed with me. <laughs> sure, yeah, no, it definitely changes things, and I mean, that's kind of how I feel. It's like, I mean, it's just a job for me. It's like I don't know, like it's not important to me. Like other things are ten or a hundred times more important to me than the job. And I mean, I guess that's a great privilege of being able to just go get a job somewhere else that pays the bills, but I don't know. There's nothing. I'm not here in Florida for any particular reason. But then there's the, there's the inherent question of, of self for me. Uh, do I have the confidence that I could go out and get a job that would pay the bills mm-hmm. uh, just out of the way, you know? And obviously the rational side of me says, yes, like <laughs> I don't, see myself as a person who should struggle in i don't know most industries honestly but it's a big it'd be a big step to go into something else and say hey the chips are on the table yeah no i i know what you feel there i definitely am lucky where something in my brain doesn't go there right away I have the arrogant confidence that I'll be all right. But I mean, that's what Haley's expressed that same. And I've felt that before. Just, I don't know. Haley's expressed that exact same sentiment about like, well, you know, like if she's going to quit her job and try something new, like there's just, uh, there's the fear that comes with it of like, well, what if it doesn't work out? And then it's the idea that the longer you stay with what you're doing, the more locked in you are. Even right, though and then, I'm not even 24 yet, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> and then you look back in a decade, you go, oh, man, is that what I want to do? Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I don't know, man. One day. And it's not even one day. I'm plotting. I'm plotting. The wheels yeah, are turning. make the plans. I mean, that's that's the key step of not just ending up somewhere for a while is staying on top of it and actually thinking about what you want to do the plot the plot is certainly forming and i can't imagine myself being here forever so and if i am being home and realizing that that is so much of what i want or a place that i would like to to be again uh i found myself in a just a situation where like yeah i am going to to plot and make these plans and figure out how to <laughs> now, I, I know too many songs, Sean, because all of a sudden I can't just say things uh, without quoting a fucking song. Just, you can just sing it. That's yeah, allowed. no, but you don't. No, I'm not right now. I will. I'm not <laughs> drunk or intoxicated, inebriated, one way or another or form to uh, get there. And I don't think you've listened to much Atmosphere before. No, Atmosphere is a Minneapolis-based like rap duo. That are, I mean, exceptional, absolutely formative to my high school career and um, genuinely good content at, at any age. So I'll, uh, I'll send you some songs to listen to. But yeah, I am plotting my escape plan day by day. I feel like I am 
I now I can't even make the fucking reference because I can't think of the main character in Shawshank's uh, <laughs> name. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my fucking uh, gem gem hammer, and I'm digging my wall behind my poster day by day. Ah, uh, yep, there you go. Yep, right yeah. now I'm uh, right now I'm working for the warden. <laughs> I'm working for the warden right now, and. I definitely don't have an anima- <laughs> enough animosity because uh, I love my warden to try and bury him in jail. But, uh, but I, maybe uh, we'll unlock the savage. <laughs> well, if I if I need to escape, I need to escape. But I don't know. Yeah, the hopefully the pieces are coming together. At least, uh, at least the plan is forming. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to take the right steps, but two steps forward, one step back. Huh? <laughs> Yeah, I think about it a lot. It's definitely hard to stay on top of it. Like, you know, I can go weeks of just like, yeah, this is good. And I'm like, shit, man. Like, at some point, I'm going to want to change something. Or, you know, it's hard to keep planning. But got to stay motivated to, I don't know, find the whatever I want to do long term, I guess. Even though chasing, like chasing something better is not going to fix anything either. No. But I don't know. At least, at least you might feel like you're doing it, you know. Yeah. And I, and maybe that's what you need. Here in Florida. Well, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you are. Um, you are. You are living the free life. But I don't know. I don't know. It's. 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 It. I. This is gonna be. And I was thinking about this the other day too. I think. If, if for no one else but you and I, I think we're going to be, we're making a coming-of-age podcast that we're just not fully aware of yet. Because <laughs> I think I think we're at another point in our lives when we're taking our next step into the phase, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we, I think it'd be amazing to have us, like, on record even a few years ago, because I feel like... I don't know, even as we have these conversations, we are already growing and maturing our relationship a lot more and can, I don't know, start to... We're at least having very different conversations, you know? Yeah, which is honestly just pretty freaking cool to be like, all right, I didn't, you know, know we were going to have that conversation, but there we go. Yeah, one second. I'm going to see if, I'm going to see how effective this transition can be because I don't want the, I don't want the conversation in, but I do have to go put parking go pay for parking because i uh i parked right outside my building so i could jump in on this oh all right you know had to try so let me see if i can uh jump in on my phone and keep this thing moving because it seemed like it it worked generally well uh yeah it worked on your phone last time yeah exactly let's see here can i just jump in is it another party i would think so Mm, i wonder Shit. I just said I've it just said I've connected from elsewhere on my phone. Yeah. Dude, you're in. Wild. I guess One I second. picked some good software. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Shout out to Sean. Exceptional, my friend. I'm impressed. I just Googled around, so how the f- like so just based on my IP they know that I'm uh, yeah, what? Or based on my uh like internet address? These are the things that uh, we just don't worry about. 
these are the things that make you permanently uncomfortable if you consider it for any more than two seconds. Yeah, if you realize that some people understand that and they have all the power over you and the whole yeah, world. and and they've they've got it, they've got it figured out, and hopefully they're doing it for good because fuck me if they're not. <laughs> like it's over if they're not. Oh yeah. I, I have no ability to fight them. I just don't. I simply do not. But, That's why they call them utilities. Yeah, I guess. Interesting, but but yeah. So I I definitely uh, agree that I think it's interesting considering where you and I started and where we've where we've gotten to. Because it's hilarious to think that within five years you and I were two kids that didn't know each other no. and were eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> just right. It just that's just such a interesting stage of life yeah and, and it's and just it's hilarious to think of you and i as just not friends that hadn't even heard of each other before you know it's just it's so foreign to our relationship now that it's insane to even consider as a as a real possibility yeah and then here we are <laughs> <laughs> you know and all of a sudden we're in our mid-20s and best friends it's just already wild. reminiscing on the good old days <laughs> well <laughs> with our eyes on the future of with hopefully making a few more you know of at least having a few more good old days i agree i think it is a a new transitionary period of like really figuring out what we want for our lives and i feel like as much as college is supposed to I don't know, you'd imagine college is supposed to prepare you for quote-unquote real life. It really doesn't ever make you think about it that much. And then No, it doesn't ever make you think about it. Like It doesn't necessarily. I, I think really the biggest thing it does for you, and you've got to choose to engage it, is the hardest thing. Of course it can give you like workplace readiness, whatever, like the tools you need to succeed in whatever field you choose. Absolutely, you can mm-hmm. achieve that. But... The biggest thing college gives you is if you're going to be in a place where most people need an education are the tools to interact with other people that got a similar education to you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely seems like it's mostly the like the social interactions. Oh, oh you're back. Oh, welcome back. <laughs> yep. I don't know if I will. I think it's you. Hello. Hello. Man, what a situation we've found ourselves in today. It's just not. (laughs) We're grinding. In and out, in and out. (laughs) It's going to be a hell of a thing to try and cut together. Yeah, get off the old scissors. Yeah, no shit. Snip, snip. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's very interesting because I'm I'm so firmly on the the side of college is just 50% what you learn, like, in the classroom. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it's a lot of the social and learning how to deal with people. And I mean, that's a lot of what uh, grade school is, just figuring out how to interact with other people. Yeah. And how how do I not be an asshole? And how do I, you know, how do I get positive interactions? Yeah. Yeah. Best case scenario, you walk away with a mildly better understanding of the world or an appreciation of other people. But 
the odds of that happening are generally low, in my experience down. at least. Yep. <laughs> but I don't know. It's 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 overwhelming to consider, truly. But I don't know. I think, and that's what we've talked about before. We've we've talked about it in other contexts, but I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I'm yeah. so happy with how everything's turned out and everything's worked out that. I don't think I could ration, like reasonably say I'd like to change something about it. I know. it's. I'm always torn because I look at it like, you know, if you look at it as an investment of your time and money, it's like, well, I could have learned a lot of these things somewhere else and maybe I don't actually care about this career job all that much and like all these other things. But then, you know, when you frame it that way, when it's like, well, would you have done it any other way? I'm like, absolutely not. I know that's the thing. It's like I just I simply would not have done it another way because that like what what I I can't like what would I have gained from that? Like I I don't think I would have gained the things that I value. The things that I valued the most that I've gained from college, I don't think I would have gained going about it differently. As I yeah. guess what I'm saying. I I agree. I guess you wouldn't have known that you were missing out on them, but I, I yeah I agree I when people talk about you know you really don't need to go to college I agree entirely and it also seems like it's such an important period of so many people's lives that it's hard to know what the right advice would be like you know if I was to advise someone now I don't know I'd probably just be like well whatever take on the debt who cares study their own yeah. things <laughs> but it's just worth it for the experience and you know regardless of the education i guess it's probably still worth it yeah as as silly as that sounds i mean yeah <laughs> it's it's ridiculous to say and it analytically doesn't make sense like I, I don't think it's logical it might be if you really like wanted to torture your mind and think about and put a value on every single interaction uh -huh. that right. you had but if that doesn't <laughs> degrade those interactions what does but <laughs> I don't know, man. You just, you learn so much. The good, the bad, everything. You get so much in those four years, or at least I felt like I did. Like, <laughs> there were highs, there were lows, there were triumphs, there were failures. It's just getting yeah. to experience every single range at that point in your life while forming a, a community. I mean... Obviously, there are no guarantees that anyone would have the, a similar experience to me, but if you have half the experience I did, then do it. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I guess, what does it say about us immediately leaving that environment, though? <laughs> I know. Like I said, maybe we're just big old idiots, which, you know, I have never written off about myself. Maybe that's always the case, but... It's always like on to, the top ten of most reasonable <laughs> reasons. Exactly. As far as explanation goes, uh, me being a big old idiot definitely uh, generally tops the list. But, yeah. Like, you can't... When I look back at those, at those years and all the people that we know and just smile, how could you ever be sad about spending the money and doing that? Like, yeah, I... It's hard to say. Like, if you're going to tell me I wouldn't pay all the money I paid just for the memories, like, I, I, I'd take on debt now to try and cover it again, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, if, if, if I had to pay another 50 grand or whatever to, get the to keep the memories, fuck yeah. 
sign me up. Like, it's worth it. But, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it'd – be, it'd be a very interesting poll to see how many people think that. Like, you have to pose the question somewhat vaguely. Like, was college worth it? Mm-hmm. And you're going to get some thoughtful people. You're going to get some not thoughtful people. You're going to get some people that strictly look at it analytically. But it'd be very interesting to see those results. You know? Yeah. And if you prime the question to have the person really think about how much it was worth for the experiences and the, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Or, and even if you didn't, even if you don't prime the question, but yeah. then you ask a follow up of why was it or was it not worth it? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, give them 10 options and another. You know, and then it'd be fascinating to see that happen college to college. See that that uh-huh. question be asked, you know, because I don't know. I can't. I can't imagine a single one of our friend group, a, a member of our friend group, saying that this wasn't worth it. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I guess. I mean, I'm sure you can make the argument. I just. Would be surprised. Maybe they don't value, you know, the the memories or the interactions the same. But it's or you know, I don't know. I guess I'm just making up excuses. I don't. I don't see how you wouldn't. <laughs> You're a big old fucking idiot if you if you think <laughs> otherwise. Because we had an awesome group of friends. We still have an awesome group of friends. We had a ridiculous amount of good times doing ridiculous bullshit like. You're an idiot if you don't want that, or if you don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. <laughs> Glad to hear it, buddy. <laughs> but I do have to. I'm, I love ending episodes on a, on a sentimental happiness. Also, one second, one second. Before I, before I end this thing, because I do need to, to make dinner at some point in time now oh, that it's yeah. 11 <laughs> o'clock on the, on the Atlantic Eastern coast. Seaboard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even tell you. I've got so many stories to, tell, to still tell you. I need to make this like a daily thing that doesn't take three hours. But <laughs> one, I was told I've got a one either a a voice for radio, or two a voice like an animated Pixar character. Wow. One one two. feels like a compliment. Two, I don't know if I've ever heard something so hurtful said to me. Yeah. My God. Right. You never even thought to consider your voice as so awful as to be an animated Pixar character. I sound so ridiculous. I don't deserve a real embodiment of my voice. This is what that person said to me. Yeah, that's pretty rude. It seems wildly rude. And in the same sentence, they said, I sound like I've got a voice for radio. What are we talking about here? Same person, same couple. Yeah, same couple. I heard about it secondhand, but yeah. I greeted them, welcome to welcome them to the store when we were shoveling out from our twenty four inches of snow. So I was still outside, but then our coworkers said that they came in and said, "I've either got a voice for radio, or I sound like a cartoon character." Basically, well, I guess they should make up their damn minds. I would I go mean, with I, the radio. Thank you, thank you, and I appreciate that. But if nothing else, at least I guess Pixar is the. The cream, the creme de la creme of uh, animation, you know. Voice I've got acting. that going for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that's something that happened. And then next, next time, next time we talk, because I seriously need to go. Uh, my plane ride home last night. 
I had a two-hour conversation with an 18-year-old on theology. Whoa. Get and into two, it. Yeah. I, I'm dead serious. It was ridiculous. I mean, Mr. Catholic. Like, I was talking to the Captain America of Catholics. No, oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, he, he genuinely was a good kid, and, and it started in a much different place, but ended kind of here because he wanted to hear a Protestant's perspective. It's so fucking weird being called a Protestant, but... <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay, man. <laughs> Catholics and their superiority complex are so fucking frustrating. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I mean, he didn't, he, he definitely didn't change my mind on anything, uh, as far as my thoughts on Catholicism. Cause I think cemented they use, them. <laughs> well, I think they use an insane amount of circular logic, but whatever. Like Catholicism uses constant affirmation of them being right to always be right. Oh, Thus, they can yeah. never be wrong. They've uh, they've got some rackets being run yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, and and uh, I mean we didn't get into any like like priests raping kids or anything, but you know <laughs> that's a tough that's one. That's a different approach. racket. Yeah, that was just the thing where it's like I don't want to like uh, this has been a positive conversation, and I don't really need to go there. And <laughs> but. A very, a very kind woman uh, tapped us on the shoulder. Turns out she's involved in the archdiocese in like Minneapolis or something. Uh, she tapped us on the shoulder at the end of it and said, "Our conversation gave her hope for her children." <laughs> wow! Just a shining light. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a beacon of hope in the the world of darkness and gloom. Uh, <laughs> which was <laughs> it was so funny because Sam Sam was flying home on the same thing as me, and we were both flying Delta, so we played backgammon together. When we're on the same plane. Ah, nice. And this woman, this, well, this woman was saying, yeah, she's so nice. You guys were just talking and like, like no one's worried about screens or anything. And I was like, man, I, I quite literally played nine games of backgammon <laughs> while I was having this conversation. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, which I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but how many people do you know can just focus on backgammon and theology at the same time? I don't know, or at least not come off went. as a total idiot. Yeah, you went over 50% on the games, didn't you? Uh, yep, I, I was 5-4. and four. Oh, <laughs> Had, to win, the, had to win the last two to get Tie there. Breaker. But <laughs> yeah, it was a very interesting night, but we'll have to talk about it because theology is always an interesting conversation and, you know, credit to that young man. Yeah. All right, well, let, let me just plant one seed in your head. Haley you got it. made me ask. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Yes. I will I will disappoint her if I don't get this through. So we were wondering if what your thoughts would be on officiating our wedding. Holy shit. So you can just sit with it for a while. <laughs> wow. I mean, I my first thought, my first words, although they were holy shit, are certainly I'd be honored. Like that's, I don't have words clearly, but <laughs> Clear I would lot. be absolutely honored. All right. Well, yeah. No, I, I don't want to pressure you into something that you suddenly think yeah, is. I don't want to pressure you. puts puts me on the spot in a global <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Reaching. <laughs> With the, the potential to zero. reach, <laughs> the potential to reach millions. <laughs> <laughs> the ceiling is very high, but the floor is, uh, I think, where we live currently. <laughs> we, we're but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I I of course will uh consider that. 
to keep uh to keep the to li- to keep the listeners on the edge of their seats. What will his answer be? Tune in next bum, week bum, day, bum. for all for all the gritty details. Same time, but, same place. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But yeah, man, I would be absolutely honored, and uh, I will of course reflect on all that entails. And yeah, wow, man. yeah, they but. I don't know what I've ever done to deserve the consideration is uh, my first thought, but <laughs> I appreciate it nonetheless. Well, I think you can come up a li- with a list. I'm not that arrogant, and I don't have the time. <laughs> I hardly have the time. <laughs> well, I'll throw you a paper airplane. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe it'll catch a jet stream and make it to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Hardy, that is, dinner. What exciting stuff. I, uh, I will go make the dumplings, but... All right, brother. You uh, have right. a wonderful week, yeah. and we will talk soon. Sounds good. Love you, Brett. Yeah, love you too, man. Have a nice night. All right. Bye. Bye.